Welcome back to the third edition of the Hammer Betting Network Bracket Challenge here on the Hit the Books channel. Joined now by John Fenler. If you haven't seen John's stuff, not sure what you've been doing, you can find it here on the Hit the Books channel. He's gone through every week of the season, breaking down college basketball stuff, and you would have seen him on one of the most recent episodes of Circles Off, where you could find that on the Circles Off HQ channel. Uh, John was on there talking about college basketball, how it differs throughout the season. But, John, here we are almost at the most important time of the year essentially two days away now from the start of march madness uh how exciting is this for you to get to this point the the last hurrah of your college basketball season it's a double-edged sword i'm very excited of course to get to the most exciting part of the season but i'm also we're now you know four full months of doing this and as john rothstein is fond of saying we sleep in april i am also <laughs> looking forward to sleeping so we're getting there Fair enough. Well, if you uh, are looking for any of the info that John's given out, as I mentioned, you can find that on the Hit the Books channel. I'm sure there's a lot of useful stuff in there that can help you going into this tournament. But if you're looking for more uh, CBB betting guides going into this year's March Madness tournament, you can head over to the Capwise uh, website where you could find uh, in-depth breakdowns and analysis of all the teams in this year's March Madness tournament. Use promo code HAMMER for $5 off. It is a $35 betting guide. You get $5 off of that using promo code HAMMER. You get insight into live analysis where you could bet uh, live in-game stuff. You can also look at coaches, historicals, key players to look at, everything like that. So make sure to head over to CapWise. But John, I do want to ask you one thing we've kind of discussed with everybody, and it's something that uh, is becoming more and more known now in the space, but it's also interesting to see how everyone approaches it differently is your strategy to a pool can differ based on the size of the pool or the competition that's in the pool. For you, if you're looking at brackets uh, and you're going to look at maybe versus a smaller to a medium to the 3 million plus entries of an ESPN bracket, how does your strategy vary as you go through different pools that you'd enter, essentially? It varies wildly from pool to pool. I think on average, I would probably do maybe three or four contests a year, like a really big one, like a, a pay paid entry one, a couple hundred bucks at like a DraftKings or some of the offshore books. And then, yeah, I do the one that everyone else does, the 25-person family pool, that kind of thing. That Those brackets should never be the same. I, they should look very different. Uh, but there's like a weird stigma out there. You know, there's a lot of people who feel strongly and say, well, you can only have one bracket. And yeah, multiple bracket guy can be really annoying. <laughs> but more, as long as he's not being a dick about it, he's usually doing it right. Or he, he's at least in theory doing it right by having different combinations and different outcomes based on risk and leverage, all the stuff that we're going to get into. Right. Yeah. The multiple bracket guy is the guy at the water cooler sitting there telling you, uh, actually, you know what? I think I saw you tweet about this is that it's the guy in the office telling you like, well, in one of my pools, I had this going on. That's, that's the guy to avoid. That's the guy not to be. Right. So I try to be multiple bracket guy who doesn't say anything. It's like the same thing as your fantasy football team. Like nobody wants to hear about it ever. Right. So, right. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into our bracket here. We'll build this out. And if you do want to compete against John's bracket, Tom Casali, or Corby's bracket, as well as the Circles Off Guys bracket, you can join the ESPN Bracket Challenge that we've created, the Hammer Bracket Challenge. There will be a merchandise prize pack given away to the winner there. You can find that, the link to join that in the description of this video. Compete against all of us. See how you stack up. But, John, let's get right into it here. We'll get into the bracket However you would like to go through this, whatever your strategy is going to be, but uh, we can start making some selections here. 
All right, so this will be a little different than I think a traditional bracket approach. And I got that this is not my idea by any means. Like I can never claim credit for this. Uh, Team Rankings has been doing this kind of thing for years. They have a product that is based entirely upon risk, leverage. Uh, it's all math-based essentially. And there's some guys on YouTube who've done very similar things. There's a guy named Rick Rungood who's done this for years. So it's modeled off of what those guys have done. But you know, it's, it's not the most fun way to approach it because this isn't based on watching games for four months and obsessing over analytics every day. It's purely based on what other people are betting and what gives me the biggest edge. So I have a spreadsheet that I'll share here. So I'm sharing my leverage spreadsheet. And, you know, at first glance, you, you, people may have seen something like this before. You may not have. But essentially, we're just going round by round looking at which where the best leverage is in any particular round and this every field is going to be different last year we had a very clear favorite in gonzaga didn't work out but i knew from the get-go in any decent sized pool and by decent i mean let's say 100 to maybe to 200 people i think that's the most common sizing uh that people are going to be entering of course as i said you'll have your your family pool with 20 people you'll have your, your huge one with a couple thousand people but for the purpose of the stream i think the strategy is going to be mostly geared to the one to 200 person bracket uh, something I would probably consider medium-sized. Uh, but regardless, this year, you have to consider how popular Alabama and Kansas will be to win the title. And it's such an advantage for anyone who's played daily fantasy sports to know ahead of time, essentially, how popular a, a player would be in DFS would be an incredible advantage. I mean, DraftKings, people have gotten in trouble for knowing this kind of information ahead of time. But in this case, we have... It's not foolproof, certainly not perfect, but we have a pretty good idea ahead of time roughly where the field will be. If you're in a high stakes contest with sharper players, people who maybe bet professionally uh, versus this extremely public ESPN thing we're looking at right now, uh, you'll have to adjust these numbers a little bit. But for the most part, you know that Bama, Houston, Kansas are going to be the three most popular. Uh, but right off the bat, and the, the model I'm using is the team rankings model. These numbers are straight from theirs. They made their adjustments for injuries. Unlike a lot of the other models, like the Torvik model and Ken Palm, they didn't make any injury adjustments for what's happened recently. So the two big examples, of course, are Tennessee with Sakai Ziegler. Team rankings adjusted Tennessee down four points, which I thought was pretty fair. And they adjusted UCLA one and a half points for Clark, which also seemed pretty reasonable. Those are the two big ones. The issue with Tennessee is if you plugged in the Torvik model here or Ken Palm or even Evan Mia, a couple of these others, Tennessee was popping like crazy uh, as far as the leverage. And it just wasn't realistic without Ziggler. So that's why I'm using team rankings for, team rankings for this purpose. You can see here the three main teams. And I guess you could throw Purdue in here, too. I mean, the four one seeds. Uh, just as a preliminary matter, Bama and Houston twice as likely to win the title as Kansas and Purdue based on paths and projections. Uh, but you see that the absolute worst leverage to win the title is Bama. So I know that in a pool like this with 100-plus people, I'm not picking Bama. It's just there's too much negative leverage here to have them as the champ. So who's the next likeliest team to win? It's going to be Houston right behind them, basically even as far as leverage goes. So that's a possibility. Uh, Kansas, pretty negative leverage again, not as bad as Bama, but pretty negative and a really, really difficult path to get to the final four even. Uh, and then Purdue also a little bit negative. So 
of the four one seeds, I would probably be most interested in Houston. Something just in general, kind of an overarching point here with a hundred ish people, you're going to have to take some chances, but you don't want to be reckless. This is not like being in a 20,000 entry contest where you have to take some wild shots for the most part, this is going to be pretty balanced. So if we go and it all has to be weighed as part of a risk reward profile, essentially. So if we go with Houston, for this part, for this exercise, we'll go with Houston as the winner. I, at that point, need to consider where I would want Bama out and where I would want Kansas out. So when I went through this this morning, uh, where is the most logical place to eliminate Bama? And we'll look up here. You can get pretty much the same leverage knocking them out in the round of 32, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and the Final Four. So if you pretty much have the same, close to the same edge throughout here, what gives you the least amount of risk uh, with the best possible reward for a pool this size? I'm content leaving them in until the final four. Uh, I don't see a reason to take a wild shot, you know, knocking them out in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. It's just really not worth it to lose all those potential points when the field is going to get those. Doesn't make sense to me. So we'll, we'll knock them out in the final four, uh, which brings us to the next question as far as Kansas. And I think these have to be treated hand in hand, because if you do decide to go the Bama route with Bama as champion, I th you have to get rid of Kansas even earlier. Uh, those two, they, they can't, 100 people pool, you can't have those two meeting in the title game. It's just going to be too chalky. So right. if you have Bama out somewhere where I do, say Final Four or, or in the, losing in the title game, uh, where do you knock Kansas out? Again, same kind of thing here. I mean, you have great great negative leverage in the round of 32 or in the sweet 16, but you could wait here again. Uh, we'll knock Kansas out in the elite eight. All right. Now with those two out of the way, plus a champion in Houston, I think now we can go region by region and actually just work through the bracket from there. So looking at the East, which on any, with any traditional bracket is going to be in the bottom left this year, where Purdue is the one seed, Marquette's the two, Kansas state, the three, et cetera. Uh, with Bama out in the final four, Kansas out in the elite eight, Houston winning the title. I think you can let Purdue go fairly far. Uh, I'm going to move them into up to the elite eight losing there. And just for anyone, if you're watching right now, this is kind of might feel out of order, but I, I work backwards for a reason and then kind of fill in uh, once the bigger questions are answered. So Purdue in the elite eight, we'll, we'll deal with their opponent in a minute. Uh, Marquette is really, really chalky in the ESPN contest. Uh, Marquette getting to that game with Purdue in the Elite Eight, almost half the field picks that on ESPN. It's 48%. The model says it's only, it should only be about 32. So you definitely want Marquette out uh, either in the round of 32 or in the Sweet 16. Again, with 100 people, don't have to get too wild. I'll move them into the Sweet 16. Uh, beating Vermont and beating the Michigan State USC winner. Uh, next question, Kansas State getting to the Sweet 16 is actually dead even. The model says 20.7%. ESPN says 20.7%. So there's no real advantage to getting rid of them too early. Uh, I'll move them into the Sweet 16 as well to play Marquette. And then in that matchup, uh, 48% of people have Purdue winning. The model says it should only be about 
I'm sorry, uh, on the Kansas State Marquette game, uh, for, as I said, 48% of ESPN entrants have them getting to the Elite Eight, 32% from the model. So you have a 16% edge there, which is phenomenal. Uh, for that reason alone, I would take Kansas State to go to the Elite Eight. All right. Uh, where they'll meet Purdue. And you have some negative leverage here on Purdue winning that game. Uh, and you have a little bit of positive leverage on Kansas State. As negative as Purdue is here, it's it's not quite that bad. It's not as bad as you see, uh, for example, with Marquette a little bit earlier. 10% is not great, but in a pool like this, uh, it's going to pay to be a little bit more conservative. So I'm okay with moving Purdue into the final four here, given the fact that we have Bama going out in the final four. Uh, Bama's not our champ. Kansas isn't our champ. We can't, we're going to have Kansas out fairly early. So I'm, I'm okay with a, a slightly chalky Purdue getting to the final four here. All right. So now we'll kind of work back, you know, for some of these, I don't honestly don't care that much uh, about some of the early matchups. I know that they, they suck up so much the, the oxygen, uh, in media and in coverage, but ultimately they're not going to matter a whole lot, especially in a pool, a you know, hundred person pool, but uh, Memphis FAU, that, that's kind of a, a dealer's choice there. I mean, model wise, uh, Memphis, 54%, you have 68% of people taking Memphis. Uh, again, edge, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but I'll take FAU just based on that. Duke Oral Roberts model. Uh, Duke 79%, ESPN 81%. That's kind of a toss-up, uh, but I'll, I'll take Duke just because I think there's a lot of added risk in eliminating Duke at this point. Uh, team rankings has uh, an added risk calculator for every round and every team. If you were to eliminate Duke uh, in the first round, you're taking on – well, it essentially amounts to 14% additional risk than you otherwise would. That's too high for no real reason. So we'll move Duke on there. Uh, Tennessee against ULL. Tennessee, 85% in the model, 85% ESPN. Again, same kind of thing. You're taking on too much risk to knock them out at this point. We'll take Tennessee. Kentucky Providence is also pretty close. 64% model, 70% ESPN. Uh, I, I have no strong take here whatsoever, but uh, – I, I'll take Providence with small edge. All right. And then final one to close out uh, this side in, in the uh, round of 64, MSU-USC. Yeah, this is another one. It's kind of a toss-up, 51% based on the model and around 60% ESPN uh, on Michigan State. Uh, I'll, I'll take Michigan State there. All right. All right, looking at the West, I already mentioned Kansas and how early you have to eliminate them. In a really big pool, I think it has to be probably around the Sweet 16. Uh, in this pool, I'm comfortable eliminating them in the Elite Eight. I mean, you're picking up a lot of leverage here, knocking them out really in either round. But that certainly begs the question, well, where are you going to go if you're not going with Kansas? Uh, I tweeted this yesterday in a hypothetical Kansas-Arkansas second-round matchup. That line is going to be around three, and I don't think that's really being reflected in, at least in, in the, the ESPN pool, which is, of course, incredibly public and not a lot of betters who would be involved in something like that. So if you're in, yeah, if you're with a lot of casual players, they're they're going to be way overweight on Kansas. But, you know, betting odds wise, Kansas is the least likely to reach the final four because the path is so difficult. And it starts with that potential second round game with Arkansas. 
If they play UConn in the Sweet 16 in that 1-4 game, UConn probably actually is a slight favorite, maybe one to two-point favorite. So, you know, I, I said we were going to knock them out in the Elite Eight. That requires beating UConn. That's fine because we could still knock them out with any of UCLA, Gonzaga, or TCU. Uh, but just, just to kind of work in a logical order here, we're going to knock them out in the Elite Eight, and it's going to be – We'll see who we can get the most leverage on here, just out of curiosity. It's pretty close between TCU and UConn. Uh, I think there's a little more risk with TCU, so we'll move UConn to the Final Four in this region, uh, taking out Kansas in the Sweet 16. Advanced on UConn, passed, yep. uh, so they take them out. Yep, and then moving to the bottom of that region, uh, as I said, the, the model adjusted UCLA down for Jalen Clark. So these projections are about as accurate as you're going to get, accounting for his injury. One and a half points, again, seems pretty reasonable. There's very, again, if you're going to knock UCLA out, I think you want to do it kind of in the same the same time frame as Kansas, 32-16. Uh, I'm okay knocking them out in the Sweet 16 here. In a bigger pool, I think you, TCU is a great team to take a shot on. Uh, getting past UCLA and getting to that that UConn Elite Eight matchup, but if you have say 100, 200 people, and you've already taken a decent amount of shots, that's one that's probably not necessary. And I, I am leaning a little bit conservative with this, so uh, I'm gonna I'll go Gonzaga meeting UCLA. Uh, and then UConn beating Gonzaga. Okay. All right, just to backfill in the rest of it. Arkansas, first-round matchup with Illinois, 61% model, 55% ESPN, so a little bit of an edge on Arkansas. I'll roll with them over Illinois. St. Mary's VCU. I think it's a pretty divisive game in general from what I've seen. Uh, model 40, sorry, model 56% St. Mary's and 65% on ESPN. But that's that's one where I don't really want the risk of knocking St. Mary's out when they have a legit shot to, to even get through UConn. So I'll play it a little safer there with St. Mary's beating VCU. Uh, TCU versus the winner of Arizona State Nevada. This is going to be, I mean, for me, betting-wise, this is very dependent on who actually wins that game tomorrow but you know I, I do like TCU's upside here uh, I'll take them over the play-in winner and as I said if you're listening to this and you're in a much bigger pool than we're talking about 500 people a thousand people TCU getting certainly to the sweet 16 even to the elite eight is a really great leverage shot uh, we don't it's not back up right now but if you look if you were to look on the leverage sheet again you'd see TCU has the second best leverage in this region. Uh, winning in the Sweet 16, and then you get a good amount of a two in the Elite Eight. Uh, actually, if I were to zoom out real quick to all the regions, TCU is one of the best, uh, is the second highest leverage of any team to you know winning in the Sweet 16. So if you're looking for a spot where you can kind of flip the board on its head and really shoot up your pool, a bigger pool, I think that's an awesome contrarian spot to take a shot. But with 100 people, it's it's just not a necessary risk. Only other one, uh, Northwestern and Boise. That's a close call, but uh, with, with basically a toss-up, I'll take Northwestern. 
All right. And then just to complete out this bracket, uh, going on to face off against Purdue in the next round between Duke, yeah. Tennessee, that's final game on the bottom half here. I would project that number. I mean, that's going to end up being with where Tennessee is right now after the adjustment. That number could close with Duke as a small favorite. Uh, I think you're you're kind of splitting hairs here, but I'll take Duke over Tennessee. All right. So there you go. The uh, first few teams into the Final Four, Alabama, Purdue, UConn. Now to uh, close out the top of the bracket here, finish this one off. We're in the Midwest uh, with Houston. This is probably the least interesting region just because Houston has such a high floor in general and got a relatively reasonable path moving forward. But uh, big picture here, because I've advanced two ones into the final four with Purdue and Bama and gotten rid of Kansas at a fairly early juncture, uh, I'm going to move Houston at least to the elite eight. Uh, you don't get the same leverage fading Houston. And when we go, just because it's, it's an easier way to see it, we'll go back to the sheet for a second. Uh, whereas we saw with Bama and Kansas, you had like awesome 20%-ish leverage in these, these rounds here, around the 32 and the Sweet 16. You just don't get that with Houston. I mean, it's a little bit negative, but it's not nearly the same. I don't think it's worth knocking them out early at all. I think you keep them around uh, at least until the Elite Eight and, and – probably further, as I said before, for this bracket, uh, I think they're the best title pick, pretty safe floor. Uh, if you were to, in your pool, knock Houston out, say Elite Eight, Final Four-ish, you have to do that in conjunction with uh, how you handle the other top seeds because this is the, you know, the best balance of upside and risk. Uh, so if you're knocking them out kind of early, I think you need to make sure that you have someone who actually is contrarian enough to win, but you're not going to get bounced uh, too early. That's that's why I think it, for a pool like this, Houston's probably just the best overall pick. So we're moving them all the way. So that, that begs the question, what do we do with the rest of the region? Uh, there's not a lot of great spots throughout the rest of this. Uh, some decent, really decent Sweet 16 leverage on like Texas A&M, uh, Drake, who we'll get to in a minute, is like it's popping in all these different models as a Sweet 16 dark horse. But other than that, there's not a ton here. So uh, the Drake thing, though, is worth pointing out only because I'm picking very few traditional upsets, like double digit type upsets, the ones people get all riled up about. But I do think with 100 people, it's worth taking a couple. Drake is the slam dunk one. And the only double-digit seed I'll take to win two games, just because uh, this kind of edge is pretty wild right. for this field. You're not going to see this with. You're not going to see anything even remotely approaching this with any of the other double-digit seeds. Uh, Kent State pretty close in the first round, but not nearly the same in the second round. So Drake is Drake will be my only double-digit Sweet 16 team. All right, just working north to south to make this easier. Uh, Iowa-Auburn, uh, 59% Auburn model, 52% in ESPN. That's a toss-up. Uh, I'll go Auburn. Indiana Kent State. Kent State, as I said, that's one that you hear a ton of people talking about. seems like it's going to be fairly popular, but that's not reflected in the ESPN pool. Uh, the model gives Kent State a 39% shot to beat Indiana. That's basically exactly in line with the betting markets at 4 4.5. 
but the ESPN contest is still 80% Indiana. Again, I think if you're in a, a buy-in with any, any sort of decent contest, you're going to see that number be a lot lower. People are going to understand the spread. They're going to understand that Kent State is a very, very viable underdog here. Uh, but even, even then, even if you're not getting a 20% edge on Kent State winning that game outright, you're still going to have a decent edge most likely. So that's another one that I would consider taking. Uh, but since I already have Drake and I already have massive leverage on Drake in general, I will, I will try and balance this out by taking Indiana in this particular bracket. Uh, Iowa State against the playing winner. Again, I hate the cop out of saying I have to kind of see who wins the playing game, but it really matters here just on a, a personal level. Uh, Mississippi State is a really potentially big problem for Iowa State, whereas I don't think Pitt is. Uh, but we have to make a call here, you know, at this juncture. So I'll, I'll take Iowa State. Xavier Kennesaw, uh, 87% model, 90% ESPN. That's one of those where, like, you're not – you could throw some money on a Kennesaw money line, but there's zero reason to ever consider something like that in this format. You're taking on massive, massive risk for absolutely no reason. So we'll take Xavier there. A&M Penn State also is really spot on, 41% model, 42% ESPN. Uh, I think A&M has some Sweet 16 type upside and is, is actually a decent leverage pick in the next round. So I'll keep them over Penn State and then Texas over Colgate. Okay. So back up at the top, uh, or well, close to the top, Iowa State Xavier, the... Second round, uh, Xavier, the model gives only a 54% chance of advancing past Iowa State or the play-in winner with 61% of ESPN people. So, again, you have a little bit of hypothetical on-paper leverage fading Xavier here, but I, I guess another one where I don't, I don't see the reward of doing so. So I'll take Xavier over Iowa State. All right, this one, I, I'm going to take Texas for this bracket, but this is another one kind of like TCU where you have to pick your, your spots. Uh, and if you were to, you know, in the same way you'd maybe consider TCU to get to the elite eight, I think a and is another good shot to take here in a bigger pool against Texas. This is one that if you, if you get this outcome, uh, and, and this is like, this is another maybe two and a half, three points spread on a neutral floor. It's like seating. It, it, I, I could fall for it too. Seating screws with our brains. It makes us think weird things. And if this game is being played in December, just a regular game uh, in the non-conference, nobody would think that these two teams were anything more than a couple te- a couple uh, points apart on a neutral floor. So it's not like this would be any sort of wild upset by any means if A&M were to beat Texas. Right. Uh, moving to the Sweet 16, Xavier, Texas. Uh, this is actually a spot where in this, this pool, I will take Xavier over the horns. Uh, 18% negative leverage on Texas in the Sweet 16. So to avoid a really chalky Houston-Texas final, uh, Xavier allows us to differentiate a little bit by getting to the Elite Eight and losing to Houston. Okay. And finally, the South Division. Yeah, so we talked about the Bama thing before, and where you're going to eliminate them is going to be entirely dependent on the size of your pool mid-sized pool like this, as I said, I'll uh, let them win this region, get to the final four and then lose once they get there. Uh, But that raises an interesting question of what to do with Arizona because Arizona is also really chalky. Like this, the Alabama Arizona final is 
either this or Purdue Marquette is going to be the chalkiest one two uh, final in almost every pool. So if you're going to, if you have Alabama winning this region, I'd like to avoid Arizona uh, getting to the, to that game with, with Bama. So there's really good leverage knocking Arizona out in the sweet 16. So that's either Baylor Creighton or NC state. Uh, if I'm not taking, I didn't, in this bracket, I didn't, I didn't play the TCU one I talked about. So I actually will take Creighton here beating NC state, uh, beating Baylor and then beating Zona, but you can handle this a bunch of different ways. The whole point is you have to get zone out before they were to play Bama in that elite eight game. It doesn't really, it honestly doesn't really matter that much how you do it, but you really have to avoid that chalky one, two final in, in a pool like this. Right. Uh, other ones, Maryland, West Virginia, truly a toss up, uh, 48% in the model, 50% ESPN. I, I think WVU is probably slightly better. I'll go with them, but you're flipping, flipping a coin there. Uh, San Diego State Charleston, I think, is going to end up being a fairly popular one. Uh, maybe the most popular 512 other than Drake, Miami. 66% in the model and 68% on ESPN. I like San Diego State a lot to beat Virginia. We'll get to that in a second. So I'll take them over Charleston. There's a good argument for Furman here. Uh, I personally really, I mean, I'll, I'm probably going to end up on this in some sort of money line capacity. But the model gets Furman a 33% shot, only 18% of people picking them in the ESPN pool. That'll end up being a little higher uh, in the pro contests or sort of pro contests. But I'll take Virginia here and then losing to Virginia over Furman. Then I'll take San Diego State over Virginia. Uh, the Virginia fade is probably, other than, or at least in the early rounds, the Virginia fade is probably the best fade spot on the board. Round of 32, losing... Other than you know, excluding the one and two seeds, Indiana and Virginia have the most negative leverage uh, outside of those ones and twos. So getting rid of Virginia here, whether it's in the Furman game or if it's in the San Diego State game, that's another really easy contrarian spot that could win you some points early. It's not going to make or break, but uh, if we're looking to win those marginal ones, I think that's probably the easiest way to find some some differentiation. All right. And then Missouri, Utah state, Utah state is an analytics darling in general. Uh, I personally bet Missouri and think the edge is a lot bigger than is actually being reflected in the market. Uh, but the, all the analytics models love Utah state. They have all year and they, they love them here too. Uh, I, I don't think there's enough of a differential to say that it's a big edge by any means, but for the sake of consistency and because I bet Missouri, I'll, I'll pick Missouri here too, but it's, that's, that's a toss up uh, in most brackets. Okay, uh, so now we're down to uh, our final four here that would complete the entire top and bottom half of the, our bracket. Uh, getting into the final four, we're looking at Alabama, Purdue, and Houston, UConn right now. Yeah, I already said I, I would move Houston uh, in as the champ. Uh, and then in Alabama-Purdue final four matchup, I'm, trying, I'm just looking to see where there'd be the least amount of leverage. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty close, but uh, to try and avoid the Houston-Bama matchup, I'll take Purdue here with Houston then beating Purdue. 
Okay. So look, there people are gonna you're gonna watch this and say this is so chalky, yada yada. And yeah, and that's in general it is because with a hundred people, you want to take a couple well timed shots, but for the most part, you have to let the field kind of shoot itself in the foot. You have to let people be too reckless early on. Uh, it's a lesson I learned the hard way years ago. I took way too many upsets, and there's there's been a lot of good studies. Like team rankings has as part of the package, they've done some great studies going back years and years, showing how the field picks way too many upsets early on. Uh, and you, if you, you, it sucks to be chalky and it's annoying and you can't brag about it and people hate you, but more often than not, you're going to be near the top at the end. Uh, you, you can't plan for some of the chaos scenarios. That that can't be the baseline expectation. Right. So I actually have a question for you because I know you're going to be betting on this. I got to hear you on the circles off show and hear about your whole process of everything. So I know you are going to be betting on this. Um, how does this impact your uh, if you're going to bet like your rooting interest in a side? Are you because you're going to be financially invested into brackets and pools and stuff? You're going to have different brackets that you've built out depending on the size, depending on the competition, where you're going to be looking at things. But now you're going to be betting on the side. Does it impact things at all? Do you just kind of view them as two separate entities? Does it? How does this affect your March Madness? Totally separate. I, I mean, just because we're, we're the format, of course, could not be more different. Uh, right. You know, yeah, you're competing against people in both, essentially. Like, I'm competing against people in the betting markets, too, but just a very different scenario. Like, the things that I have to worry about in betting, I don't have to worry about here. Uh, yeah, I, as far as rooting interest, I mean, it's great. Yeah, it's great to have, you know, if you have the plus six and a half dog and you have the favorite advancing, that's awesome if you can hit somehow hit both of those. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think over time I've somehow just mentally separated them. Mm -hmm. it, it does create weird rooting interests. Uh, but yeah, I guess compartmentalize as, as much as you can. Fair enough. All right. And the final thing I got to get you to do, I know it's a, a little bit ridiculous. It's the final thing of the March Madness bracket. But to complete all of this, you have to predict a final score in the game. Tom and uh, CC both kind of went in opposite ends based on what they'd be looking for and dependent on what their matchup was. So, John, I got to ask you, final score as your tiebreaker, what are we going with here, Houston beating Purdue? Yeah, I'm running the the projected total in my head of this matchup. That's going to be like, uh, I'll say 133, 69-64, Houston. Okay. There you have it. Final score, 69-64, Houston defeating Purdue in the national championship game. Uh, John, thank you for doing this. Thank you for taking the time. Just want to remind people, if you are looking for more CBB betting uh, information, you can go over to the CapWise website. Using promo code HAMMER, you get $5 off. It is a $35 betting guide. Uh, you get in-depth analysis, live betting tools, live betting information, as well as historicals on the coaches, the teams, how they've done this season, different information on that. So make sure to head over to the CapWise website using promo code HAMMER there. But John, thank you for doing this. Thank you for filling this out. If you want to compete against John's bracket, as well as some of the other Hammer content creators, and specifically the guys here on the Hit the Books channel, make sure to click the link in the description to join our bracket challenge. The winner will be getting a merch pack from the guys over at Betstamp, so make sure to sign up, uh, enter your bracket, see how you stack up against these guys as well. Make sure to like this video and subscribe to the Hit the Books channel, but thank you so much for taking the time to watch today. Thank you, John, for taking the time to fill out your bracket and share this information. I found it very useful. I'm going to go use this and fill out my mom's bracket for her using some stuff like this. But uh, thank you for doing this and good luck in your March Madness betting as well as your brackets. 
Thanks, Zach, and thank you to everyone watching. Just make sure you guys all avoid that water cooler guy outside your office door. <laughs> yes, of course. All right, well, we'll see everyone very soon. Good luck in March Madness, everyone.